Hope everybody's doing okay out there. Hope everybody is uh, staying safe and healthy. And uh, if you're home with your kids, hope your kids are kind of cooperating with you and not tearing the place apart. And um, hope that uh, you and your spouse aren't fighting because you're stuck together when you're not usually stuck together. Hope you've gotten resupplied, got plenty of toilet paper. Um, I found, uh, I was looking at just some of the stuff on the news and there's this guy who decided that uh, he's going to try and help everybody. So he's handing out rolls of toilet paper. So if you want to start a new ministry for the Olive Branch, you could always hand out rolls of toilet paper and that might work. So beautiful day today. Hope you're enjoying it and I hope that you can enjoy some time with your family, even though we're kind of confined into things at this juncture of time. Um, I want to, we, we've been in a series talking about how to be happy with your money. And obviously the COVID-19 um, thing just kind of um, blew that out of the water. And, uh, and we are going to resume it. We are going to talk about it. But I just really felt that today, uh, what we needed to talk about was just kind of get a breath of fresh air. Take a deep breath. Um, everything's going to be okay. God is in control of this whole thing. God is in control of our lives. God is at work, even in times like this. So I guess that's just what I want to encourage you to do is just take a deep breath. And uh, we're going to talk about uh, this, talk about how this impacts our lives. Um, just hopefully give some facts on it. But my biggest plan this morning is that, uh, is that you will come away here with a sense of peace in your heart. It's, gonna, it's probably not going to last. Peace doesn't usually last. And we have to kind of pray it back into our lives again. But uh, the goal is that uh, you will have a sense that um, things are not out of control, certainly not as far as God is concerned. Now, here's, here's what I want to talk about. I, this kind of actually says everything here. What we're going through changes everything. There's never been a time in the world that I'm aware of when all of a sudden there's been something that has pretty much affected every person, affected just about every organization, affected all the different things, affected National Hockey League, affected uh, basketball, affected all these different arenas of our lives, affected the GO train. I've gone to work this week and come in, and it's the, it's amazing because the GO train uh, station is pretty much empty as is the parking lot. So this is something that is kind of a game changer in our world. Now, if you've ever been through one, you know what that is. Uh, you know, back when you go through something like this, you say to yourself, wow, this changes everything. Um, if you went through the assassination of JFK, um, if you're old enough, you probably thought to yourself, this changes everything. Uh, when Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated, you thought to yourself, man, this changes everything. When 9-11 happened and all of a sudden there's these images of these planes flying into the towers and into the Pentagon, you think to yourself, this changes everything. And it does. It does. Happened again on March 12th, uh, 2020, uh, especially when the World Health Organization uses the word uh, pandemic. And all of a sudden, Canada and the United States started shutting down borders, started shutting down uh, schools, uh, flights got canceled, uh, borders got closed. Now, here's, here's my thing. Like, I tend to underreact on things, so I'm just blowing through this. I mean, I saw what was going on with the news, saw the number of cases rising over in China, saw them coming here. And so when all this started happening, I'm thinking to myself, okay, well, there's going to be some parents who have a trip planned to Italy or Spain or something like that. And they're going to be upset because all of a sudden all the plans have changed. But it was like when the word pandemic got used, it was like it kind of gave the world permission to panic. Uh, and I, I didn't think about this until I went to uh, no frills to pick up some groceries and stuff for the family, came in the door, and the place is jammed. 
everybody's, you know, shopping carts are full. And it's like everybody said, okay, now's the time to buy pasta. Now's the time to buy toilet paper. Now's the time to buy napkins and towels and all this stuff. And all of a sudden, stores started running out of things. Panic. Hoarding. And also selfishness. Um, there was apparently some guy down in a Loblaw store downtown who pulled a gun. There's just all these raw feelings that come to the surface when something like this happens. Now, here's what I want you to know. And this is right at the front end of everything this morning. You know, when this happened, it wasn't like alarms started going off in heaven, you know, and there were angels sliding down, you know, brass poles and hazmat suits and God's pacing back and forth, scratching his head saying, oh no, what are we going to do? You know, there's, you know, the coronavirus has hit the planet. God saw this coming and God still has a plan and he knows when it's going to end. And his plan is to work in us through this time. And so what he basically says to us, he says, stay calm and stay with me. Now, I'd like, that's what I'd like to have a conversation about. I want to have a conversation, first of all, about that calm part, about the peace part, which I think is what we need. And then also have, you know, kind of a factual conversation just about this whole thing that's going on with the coronavirus. Now, you have to understand the bigger picture on this is really big. It's really big. God created human beings and things went really well for a while. And then Adam and Eve, you know, ate a piece of fruit and all of a sudden they rebelled against God. And all of a sudden that was a game changer. Everything changed. Everything changed. Things went along okay for a while after that. And then, you know, things got so bad here that God had to start over again and told Noah to build a ship and he was going to save the whole thing. But you can just imagine what it was like to get off that ship, get off that boat and realize that nobody else is there. And you've got to start the whole thing over again. Abraham, he went through a game changer. If you'll remember, God told him to leave his hometown, leave civilization, everything that he knew, and go live out in the desert. And it changed everything. It changed everything. It's a great story for that. And it actually kind of fits the context uh, for a verse that you've probably heard quoted or used a lot. Uh, when, our, when we adopted our daughter, Selena, um, we sent out announcements telling everybody about our joy and about what was going on in our lives. And this was the verse that we used. I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, and they are plans for good, not for disaster, to give you a future and hope. Now, that's an amazing promise. In disruptive times, you see, everybody wants to know that they're going to be able to continue on with their life and that someone who's both good and loving and powerful is in control of everything. In other words, that this plan is going to end well. And that's what this promise is basically saying. Now, the context for these verses represents something that is far worse than you and I have ever been through. Daniel is the one, um, it's actually Jeremiah who writes this. And the person who went through this and, and the context for this was that Israel had been basically conquered and taken captive. 587 BC, uh, Nebuchadnezzar comes and he basically blasts through Jerusalem, burns the temple, and he hauls off, kills all the royal family and hauls a whole bunch of people off to Babylon. And so they're there and they're false prophets. They're saying, hey, 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 it's all going to be okay. We're going to be back home in just a couple of weeks. Now, I want you to think about what it was like to be in that kind of a context. It's not like, you know, you have something coming through your country and it's dangerous. It's like, you know, what has, what has coming through has already come through. You've been hauled off and you're in this foreign place. You have a new language. You can't shop in the same places. Your neighbors are different. Everything in your life has changed. Now, you'd like to hear, well, it's all going to be normal again. You're going to be going back home. But that was the false prophecy in this whole context. 
And this is what Jeremiah, the prophet, said to these people who were in these circumstances. He says, build homes and plan to stay. Plant gardens and eat the food, the food that they produce. Marry and have children. Then find spouses for them so you don't have so you have many grandchildren. Multiply, do not dwindle away, and work for the peace and the prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare will determine your welfare. So what he's basically saying is, this is your new reality. So you need to settle into it. And then there's this astonishing message. He says, you need to work for the prosperity of the people that are holding you captive, the people who have ruined your life. And people are thinking to themselves, why should I do that? And he says, because it's going to affect your prosperity. And it's then that he says these words. I know the plans I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. Several years ago, I was leading the Olive Branch, and we were in a difficult time. And one day when I felt like the bottom had dropped out of everything, you know, I basically said, God, you've got to do something. You've got to give me something for this time. And this is the passage that he gave me. It continues on. Let me read this for you. I'll show up and take care of you as I promised. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out. Plans to take care of you, not abandon you. Plans to give you the future that you hope for. And when you call on me, and when you come to me and pray, I'll listen. That's been pinned on my bulletin board right next door to my, my computer screen ever since. Because that's the promise. And it's mine. And his plan was better. That's what I found out over the next weeks. Now, this was a turning point in Israel's history. And you have to understand that it was only when they went into exile that they stopped worshiping other gods. They were in a death spiral that would have taken them way out of control. And this is what actually saved the plan of God to redeem this world because the whole thing would have been annihilated. It's really interesting when you find out what actually happened after that. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the guy who led the charge, destroyed Jerusalem, actually takes Daniel on as one of his wise men, one of the people that he consulted with. And he's the one that worked with Nebuchadnezzar. This guy that actually took over Jerusalem, he actually came to the God of Israel and then he actually wrote a chapter in our Bible. And if you doubt me, read it. It's Daniel chapter 4, so just check it out. Now, Jesus, the one that Daniel prophesied about, he's the one that came. And in his first message, and we're going to be studying this in these next weeks, he said, if I were you, I wouldn't worry. Said, don't worry about your clothes. Don't worry about your shelter. Don't worry about your life. He says, because life is more than that. Now, here's the deal. If the Son of God shows up here in this planet and says, if I were you, I wouldn't worry. Well, then why would you worry? What Jesus says, you know, and you see this all through the Bible, it says fear is basically a thief. It's not from God and has the, it has the potential of destroying everything that you want. Now, I've realized enough about this next generation coming in, you know, that this is anxiety is kind of normal for them. And I hear it all the time. And it's because we, you know, we hear the constant hype in the media, how bad it is and what the experts think and how many are affected and stuff. And what you have to realize, first of all, is that they're selling news and they sell news by, you know, kind of keeping it out there in front of everybody. Now, here's the question. Why did Jesus tell us not to worry? Well, he knew that something, <laughs> he knew something that we know and, and need to, that we need to take hold of. It's God, the one who made everything, who's in control. Remember the words? I'll show up and take care of you as I promised. I know what I'm doing. I have it all planned out, plans to take care of you and not to abandon you. 
And Jesus' death and resurrection, which is what happened at the end of his life, prove that God can take the worst that we do and he can do something good in it. You know, Jesus, when he said, don't worry, you know what he based that on? It was always based on, you know, my father has everything in control. He loves you and he's watching over you. Dads provide, dads protect. If you were a kid at some point, you and you probably were, all of us were kids at some point, you probably said something along the lines of, you know, my dad is stronger than your dad, or my dad is bigger than your dad. And though Jesus is not that childish, what he's basically saying is, my father and your father, he controls everything. He controls everything. He made everything. He can turn anything around. He can heal any disease. My dad and his angels watch over everybody in your life that you care about. Because that's who he is. Now, here's the deal. You know, when, when I say things like that, when somebody else says things like this, it's very natural to say, well, yeah, of course, I know that. Move on. Like, what, what's next? It's not enough just to actually know what he says. You have to actually believe it. And you have to bring it into your heart. Because if you don't do that, see what happens is you need a reality check because your eyes have to get beyond just the money and the stuff and the job and the convenience and all this stuff. Because what we're going through is a threat to that and it'll diminish your love because what happens, it'll make you selfish. You'll be thinking about this. And what God wants to do is the same thing that he did for Israel as he wants our love to increase and to grow. Now, Here's the deal. Jesus said, don't worry because it's useless. It doesn't accomplish a thing. All it does, all, you know, worry does, kind of like shooting a hole in your hope tank and everything leaks out of it. Your peace leaks out of it. And Jesus says, you don't have to do that. You don't have to worry about that. You know what Jesus taught about the spiritual form of worry? You know what the spiritual form of that is? You know what God wants to do? It's prayer. That's what, <laughs> that's what it means. And worry is intended to push us toward God and to take all that stuff to him and let him care with it. Now, I want to close with some thoughts from one of Jesus' uh, followers who had every reason in the world to give up hope and to be afraid and to be worried sick. And that guy, of course, is Paul. He wrote a book called the uh, Philippians. And in this book, he's in bad shape, okay? So after years of faithfulness and difficulties and being stoned and being kicked around and scourged and so on, he's back in prison. And that's where he's going to stay, likely, until his death. So he's chained day and night to a guard. If you can guard back in a Roman guard back in that time, you know, it, they don't exactly earn exactly nice people anyways. And then you get kind of crabby when you're chained to somebody, you know what he does in that circumstance? He actually loves these guys, talks to them and leads some of them to Jesus. Some people who called themselves believers back then and said that they had believed Paul's message were actually out preaching the message of Jesus to make his life worse. Imagine that. His calling is to travel. That's what he is. He's a missionary. He travels around. He started churches all around the Mediterranean Rim. You know? So now he's stuck in prison. So you know what he does with that? He starts writing letters. And his letters still impact us. Imagine that if you'd been able to travel and never written those letters. He's lost all of his wealth. He's lost his possessions. And Pharisees were, were rich. He lost all of his credentials. And you know what he said about that? He said, that's just scubla. In other words, dog stuff. You, know? you step in it occasionally. He says, I've learned something far greater in this time. And it's about Jesus. And he's far more valuable than anything else. And he says, believe me, I'm happy. Actually, this whole book is about joy. <laughs> he says, rejoice. And again, I'll say it, rejoice. Let me read it for you. He, he says, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in him. 
And then he tells us what to do with worry. And this is so important to understand this. Let me read the passage. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions, petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. And before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle you down. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. You could look at it like this. Another one of my amazing drawings. Here you go. Christ needs to push worry down to the bottom of your heart and then out of your heart. Now, here's what he's saying. He's, you know, he's saying, it's, you know, it's not a matter, matter of saying, don't worry, it's dumb to do that, although it is. Because, you know, calling it dumb doesn't remove it. He's saying that you need to forge your worry into dependence on God. And this isn't brain surgery. It's just basically listing all the stuff, like figuring out all the stuff that's grinding you up and making you sad, making you afraid and stealing your joy and just telling God, say, I'm stressed out about my money. I'm stressed out about the future. You know, I'm stressed about all this other stuff. I'm powerless to do anything about it. So I'm going to bring it to you and let you handle it. And then you thank God that he's going to do it. And he does. He actually does. Now, is that enough? Well, no, <laughs> it also takes faith. And that's, again, that's where we thank God for what he's going to do. And he, he goes further than that. And he says, you need to also check your thought life. He said, because if you're thinking disaster scenarios, he says, that's going to contaminate the hope that's in your heart. Summing it, up all, summing it all up, friends, I'd say that you do your best by filling your minds and meditating on things true. And the question you have to ask is, what's true? What's actually true? Things that are noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, and not the worst. In other words, don't get into these disaster scenarios in your thinking. Think about what's best, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise and not things to curse. Now, does this just come naturally? you think about these things just naturally? Of course not. It takes work because our minds need to be transformed by truth. That's the truth. God is at work in all these circumstances. Now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to just share some basic information about the coronavirus and some things that you and I probably need to remember. Because you see, there are facts, and then sometimes the facts get distorted. And one of the things that's so important to understand is that this is going to pass. This is not forever. This is our reality for right now, but this is going to pass. That's what always happens with these pandemics. And we need to do what they're telling us to do. And you've seen all this on, you know, they do this thing, I think, in the news and so on, where they're basically saying that what they want to do is they want to press down the bell curve on this virus, where it actually stops earlier than what people are fearing it's going to, and then it goes down. They say, so wash your hands. It's not that big of a deal. So keep your hands away from your mouth and your nose in case you've been contaminated. So distance yourself from other people. You know, they're saying six feet. That's not that hard to do. So we do that. Self-isolation. If you've been traveling or, you know, if you've done something like that, you need to put yourself in a place where you can be there for a couple of weeks and make sure that you're okay. So this is not all that difficult to do. And we all want, need to be a part of that. This is going to pass. We need to do this because, you know, we don't live out in the woods someplace. There's 6.5 million people who live in the GTA, and we have to think about them. To not think about them is a selfish thing to do. You know, it's not helpful. Reactions. I don't know about you, but I'm honestly, I'm at my worst when I'm reacting to something. And that's what's going on. And that's where you need the facts. 
And the first thing that you need to remember, and I'm going to go down through these and I'll show you later, but the first thing that you need to remember is that not everything that you hear is true. There are people that are going on social media, sometimes even the news or on the radio and so on, and they're just, they're not telling the truth. So you need the facts. You need to know what the facts are. And the Bible tells us that we're not just based on faith. We don't just believe anything that comes along. We are basing our life on facts. It says this in the book of Proverbs. It says, the gullible believe anything they're told. The prudent sift and weigh every word. Again, not everybody who goes on social media or the internet or on TV or even the radio knows what they're talking about. There's some people that have an agenda. And for some, it's a political agenda. And you'll, you'll know exactly what they're, what, what's going on there when they start blaming other people or blaming other nations, or you know, you get into all these conspiracy theories and stuff. And that's just garbage. It's just not true. We're going through a virus. That's what it is. You know, America didn't contaminate everything. China didn't contaminate everything. This is just a virus. We've been through this before. And it's, imp- it's so critical to base what you're thinking on facts and not on, your f- not on false reports and not on fake news. Uh, the wisest man to ever live and speak for God, Solomon, says, what a shame. Yes, How stupid to decide before knowing the facts. Get the facts at any price and hold on tightly. Get all the good sense that you can get. So as followers of Jesus, we base our lives on faith, our faith in God and his power and his control over things, but also on facts. There's a second thing to remember, and that is that not everybody is at equal risk in this pandemic. If you've seen the stuff, you know that it's people who are over 60, not me, of course, I won't be there for at least a couple more decades, but people who are over 60 and people who have pre-existing conditions, people who have breathing issues, people who have respiratory issues, people who are prone to pneumonia, people who have liver damage or kidney damage or other things like that. So not everybody is at equal risk. It's called, uh, one of these things that you hear is it's called a novel, uh, a novel virus. And what that simply means is this is something that's new. And there, the things that normally stop a virus like this um, would be immunity and vaccines, and they aren't available. So this is something new. And that's why you just need to do what you know, the World Health Organization is telling us to do. Third, remember that in all things, this is going to pass. The bell curve, there's a place where you enter, and then there's a place where you exit. So let's just keep this as low as possible, and so on. And this thing's going to pass, okay? Um, the fourth thing that I want you to remember is to focus on what never changes. Now, is life going to change? This is, a, this is a game changer, isn't it? We don't know exactly how life is going to change, but when 9-11 happened, when other things happened like that, they changed things for the world. And so it's going to change. But what you want to do is focus on what never changes. Let me tell you what never changes. God sees everything. He sees everything that you're going through and I'm going through. God knows about everything. Everything has a plan. He cares about everything that I'm going through. He has the power to change anything. He can heal bodies. He can create a whole new universe if he wants to. And this is really important to understand also. God always acts out of his goodness toward us. That mean we understand it? Of course not. But he always acts out of his goodness. And God's plan is better than my plan because he's a good God. He knows exactly what he's doing. That's what this passage that we read says. God will never stop loving me. God will never be closer to me or to you than he is right now. And he will never be farther from us than he is right now. We may feel distance, but that doesn't mean there is distance. God is not a feeling. 
And so I just want to encourage you, look at him and don't look at the circumstances. And that's what will give you confidence and stability in this time when everything is changing. And finally, number six, remember, this is not the end of the story. See, we've read the end of the book. We know how this ends. The book of Revelation doesn't say, yeah, there was this big epidemic that came and it killed everybody off in the world and all that was left was the animals. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say that it's going to end up in a mushroom cloud, you know, where everything gets nuked and melted down. It doesn't say that. It says that this ends when God says it ends. And it's at the coming of Jesus Christ. And it says that when he comes, he's going to end all disease. He's going to end all tears. All the sorrow that we know in this world is going to be gone forever. There's this passage that I read. Again, it's written by Paul, who went through plenty of trials in his life. And listen to what he writes. It's found in 2 Corinthians 4. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but not crushed and broken. We are perplexed because we don't know why things happen as they do. But we don't give up and quit. We're hunted down, but God never abandons us. We get knocked down, but we get up again and keep going. And that's why we never give up. Though our bodies are dying, our inner strength in the Lord is growing every day. These troubles and sufferings of ours are, after all, quite small. And they won't last very long. The troubles will soon be over, but the joys to come will last forever. And you need to know that God is at work everywhere. God is at work in China. God is at work in Italy. God is at work in Spain, where the numbers just recently went up. God is at work in the United States. God is at work in Canada. He is at work everywhere. And he's at work in everyone, even people who don't believe in him, because that's who he is. Now, there's one final thing that we need to remember, and this is so important, especially as we engage. We are not victims. See, our calling as followers of Jesus is to engage and to cooperate and to show love and to give hope. And now I want to say this, some of you are at risk, and if you're at risk, you need to stay home. You just need to stay home. Let us as a church try to care for you and help you as best we can. If you're healthy and you haven't had exposed, haven't been exposed to the coronavirus, then God wants to use you. I don't know how he's going to use you. Maybe you'll start a toilet paper ministry like the guy handing out toilet paper on the street. But he wants to use me and he wants to use you to bring hope and to stay calm. See, it's peace that gets transferred. And if we are panicked, like everybody else, then that's going to get transferred as well. You know, if you remember back in 9-11, when the reports started coming up, there were people who ran up the stairs to help other people. And then there were the people who were just running out to save their lives. We are people who run up the stairs. We are the people who help other people. That's who we are. Back, there was a pandemic that hit Rome, you know, shortly after Jesus. And I'll tell you, this didn't just kill, you know, a number of thousands. This killed hundreds of thousands, perhaps millions of people. It was the bubonic plague. So people back then were scared too. They're running out there, dumping their relatives out in the street who were sick and dying. And it was the Christians who then moved into the city and helped the people who were sick and dying. And that's what changed the Roman world. Flipped the whole Roman world up on its back. We were the ones that started the hospitals. They were the ones, you know, that started, you know, the orphanages for the, for the children that were left. See, followers of Jesus have always been the ones to engage, who've gone into situations like this and risked their lives. If you look at any crisis, you'll find people who follow Jesus are out on the front edges of this. You know why we can do that? It's because the Apostle John wrote, perfect love casts out all fear. Paul said to Timothy, he said, God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of love and power and a sound mind. It means that we, we keep our sanity. We keep our minds and our hearts in difficult times. 
And that's who we want to be. Right now, Branch Out is actively engaged. They've reached out. That's the part of uh, the Olive Branch that reaches into the community. 10% of everything that comes into the church actually goes out through the doors. There was a team from, the, from, uh, from Branch Out that went downtown last night to feed the homeless. We're not going to stop that. There was a team on, on uh, Friday that went out and was giving out food. See, we want to help you. If you're sick, we want to help you. If you have needs, if, you, if you're vulnerable and you need somebody to help get you groceries and do things, this is what we want to do. And I'm guessing that some of you, if you think carefully during this and get rid of the panic, that you'll find ways to serve other people. You'll find ways to love them and to make a difference in their lives. So I just want to tell you, you know, if you can help people and share this message, you know, on social media or the internet, stay in contact with them. If your life group if you're in a life group, then stay in contact with your people. Stay connected to people, okay? Now, at this point, you see, this, van, this pandemic is going to pass. And I'll tell you what I want. I want to be a better person when it's done. I want to be a more loving person when it's done. I want to have, I want to have not fear controlling my heart. I want to have peace controlling my heart when it's done. I want to be less selfish when it's done. And I think that that's God's calling. Now, here's what I promise you. As your pastor and as this team, we're going to lead through this. We're going to help in everywhere we can. And, you know, we're going to still have Easter. We're still going to have a Friday service. It may not be in this building, but we're going to still celebrate because that's the thing that changed the world when Jesus rose again from the dead. It was the day when Jesus, the Son of God, the rightful King of this world, walked out of a tomb in Jerusalem when death tried to tie him down. We've got to celebrate that. I promise you that we will stay in contact with you. I promise that we will do our best to help you stay spiritually healthy. I promise that, you know, if you get sick, that we at the Olive Branch here will serve you and help you. I promise that we will find ways to worship. And pretty hard to put a band on this, but we're going to find ways to worship. And I promise you that we will help you help others. Engage, get out there, do something, and we will stand, be, we will stand behind you. Now, I need some help from you. If we're going to stay in contact, I need your contact information. Okay, so, you know, if you can send your if you can send your contact information to info at tob.ca, that'll help us to stay in contact. We need your name and your cell phone number, if possible, and also your, your uh, email address. So we want to stay. We need to stay in contact with you. And here's the second thing that I want to just mention. If we're going to continue on in our ministry, and that's what God's called us to do at this juncture then uh, there's some of you who, you know, you can't come here and give. And so I need you to help us by giving online. And there are a number of ways that you can do that. Uh, direct debit, that's always been an option here at the Olive Branch. And if you, if you email finance at tob.ca, they will help walk you through this and so that you can help us out. Um, the other thing is our website. If you go into our website, uh, www.tob.ca slash give, uh, you can give there. I think they work through PayPal. We've uh, recently come up with e-transfer. So if you can gift to finance at tob.ca, that might be an easier way for you to give. And if you are uh, need to use snail mail, and you may have to, and you need to mail a check in, then it's the Olive Branch, 175 Anderson Avenue, Markham, Ontario, L6E1A4. So that hopefully will help us. But we, we need to keep on going. We need to continue on with what God is, is calling us to do here. Now, there's a really powerful truth that comes out of this whole scenario that we find ourselves in. You know what it is? It's the power of the actions that we take. 
With Adam and Eve, they ate a piece of fruit out of the garden. Turns out that it was a rebellious act towards God and it affected everything. That's why we live in a broken world. Somebody apparently over in, you know, Wuhan province, some meat that was infected and, you know, it affected everybody. It's affected the whole world. What I want to challenge you to do, there's lots of things that you and I can do that's going to affect the world for evil, that's going to hurt people. So let's do what's good. Let's be good news in our world. Let's make the difference that we're called to make. And remember, God is with you. One final thing, I just want to put this up there. Remember, not everything that you hear is true. Not everyone is at equal risk. This is going to pass. Focus on what never changes, which is the power and the love and the interest of God in your life. Remember that God is with you. And remember that this is not the end. Now, what I'd like to do as we close is I'd like to pray. And I don't know where you're at, but worry is prayer with no destination. We know what the destination is. And the destination is God. So let me pray for you. And we're going to close. God, you know that uh, a lot of people in our world are scared to death. Some are sick. And they're scared about the future and wondering, wondering if this is going to take their lives or take the lives of the people that they love. And I pray, God, that you would bring peace. I pray that your healing power would infect this world just like this virus has. I pray for people who feel isolated, feel very much alone. I pray, God, that you would stay close to them and that you would fill the room that they're in right now with your presence. And I pray that we would find ways to stay connected and to love people and to help them if they're isolated. We pray, God, for those who have vulnerable people in their lives, elderly parents, children, or themselves are vulnerable to this virus. I pray that you would please protect them and protect their hope in you. Please don't let them get stuck in panic and fear, which steals our hope. God, we trust in you. You're greater than any problem. You're greater than any disease. You will hold our hands. You will walk with us through this valley, valley of the shadow of death. But when we go through it, you will protect us through it. And then on the other side, you're also preparing the table. You're preparing the good things for us right under the noses of the enemy. We thank you for that. We thank you that you're powerful, that you are good, that you are loving, and you're in control of everything. Amen. Thanks for coming today.